Hello, welcome to this cosmic home where I talk through tools and strategies and mindsets that help you bring more harmony and happiness into your home so your family can walk into the world with the foundation of unconditional love. I'm your host, Isabel Jones. episode where I'm talking all about trauma, childhood to be more specific, which is always a fun topic. And it's very, I feel like it's at the forefront of everyone's mind. It's something that a lot of people talk about. It's like, I mean, it is an entire practice in and of itself. It's a whole thing. So I'm excited to give my two cents on it um, because I think it's important. I think it's an important topic. I think it's something that we all have and I think it's something where there's a lot of different ideas and different ways in, you know, processing it and forgiving it and working through it. Um, And so I'll go ahead and share my process because that's something that honestly it haunted my entire life up until I was about now up until about now years old whatever that meme is I was today years old when I realized I finally escaped the living within the trauma rather than living beyond the trauma. And I am about to turn 28. So, you know, it's slow for some, fast for others. uh, But either way, that's where I'm at. So I, you know, I didn't really have parents that were horrible. I don't think they were horrible at all, especially when you start comparing what I could have gone through the, you know, especially comparing some of the situations that they had to go through. And, you know, it's not a comparison game, but in hindsight, you know, I do want to honor the people that have to deal with like the capital T trauma and say like, you know, while all trauma is helpful, I don't know, I'm going on a tangent. You guys get it. Like I'm, you know, I don't want to just sit here and say, oh, my childhood was awful and traumatic, but As most of us experience, there were some things that I needed that I didn't get. And there, you know, it was a process of trying to learn how to give them to myself. So at this point, I actually fully believe that I have forgiven my parents for what they could not do. And I forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, I've I've gotten to that point. And I can look at the scope of trauma and the scope of wounds and the scope of the situations that we've all been through. And I can say I'm on the other side and I believe that I'm now at the stage where I can actually prevent the passing on of that trauma to my kids. And I think that that's, especially when you're a parent and, you know, you sometimes get into these moments where you're like, you're like watching yourself traumatize your kids and you're like, how do I stop this? Like, I can see what I'm doing. I can see the effects that I have. And like, at this point, I'm in cleanup mode, especially with my oldest. Like, I'm in like, how do I clean up the mess that I made because of 
the wounds that were not healed. And the thing is, is I fully believe, unless you're like a superhuman, you can heal as much trauma as you want. But when you have kids that are in the house that you are in charge of, it comes out in a completely different way that I just, I don't think that you can experience without the without the practice of raising children. I, I really believe that. I think that there's some trauma that you can't face until you're in a long-term committed relationship. I think there's some trauma you can't face until you are parenting children because like, I mean, that's, that's just, it brings it out and it brings it out in a way that you never could have guessed unless maybe like hypnotherapy or something. I don't know, but it just brings it out. So that's really my process. And that's really what brought me to even knowing what childhood wounds and childhood trauma really is. And, you know, and I am of the belief, not everyone believes this, but I am of the belief that like 90% of who we are is nurture. Like, yes, we have, you know, our astrological charts. We have, you know, all of these different types. Like we have our DNA makeup. We have, you know, our natural responses. But, you know, those natural, but what are we responding to? And then what in our environment is like bringing out different aspects of ourselves? You know, like you can have your Mars and Aries and be a super aggressive person. And if you're raised with people that make you feel unsafe, which most of us are because parents are really not perfect. So if you're raised with someone that makes you feel unsafe, that aggression is going to come out inappropriately. It's not going to be used to help you achieve, you're going to manifest it in a very inappropriate, really ineffective, ineffective way. And but whereas opposed to having parents that make you feel safe, being in an environment that really caters to those needs, you know, you are going to learn how to use that aggression appropriately. You're going to use how to, you're going to learn how to use that to gain, gain what you need and what you want in life. You're not going to use it to burn bridges. You're going to use it to build bridges with your sheer just force of energy, you know? So that's kind of where Yes, you have your natural way. Like some kids will fight back with their parents. Some kids just run and hide from them. And I think that's your natural response. But what you learn to hide from, how often you learn to hide, how closed off you make yourself or how much you fight, I think that's all based on the nurture. So, and honestly, I think that we are really far away from a day where there is a human being on this earth that does not have trauma to face. I mean, I just think that we are not quite there yet. I think we're getting there. The fact that trauma and childhood trauma is such a popular topic, I think that shows us that we are getting to a point as a race, as a human race, we are getting to the point where we can begin to no longer pass down trauma. But I mean, you've got to think like, for centuries, millennia, I just don't think that this has been an idea. I don't think this has been a topic. I don't think this has been the priority. The priority has pretty much been survival up until maybe the Industrial Revolution. And then it became like, okay, so now we have all of our basic survival needs. Now we need to start, you know, it's like uh, Maslow's 
hierarchy of needs. It's like once you've got the security of like home, food, safety, then you go into, ah, crap, I should have, didn't know I was going to be talking about it, but I think it's like the next one is like belonging. I know at that point, at some point in that you need to feel like you belong. You need to feel like you are a part of a community of like a tribe of people before you can start getting to that self-actualization. And that's really, once you become self-actualized, that's like the top of the pyramid for the Maslow's hierarchy. Um, you know, I think that the next one is like self-awareness, but you can't become self-aware until you have that like sense of belonging or, you know, all that good stuff. So look it up if you don't know about it. Anyway, so now I got to find my train of thought. So yeah, so I think that as a society, we're all kind of, you know, individuals can push us a little bit further, but collectively, industrial revolution. Yeah, we have houses, we have access to food, like the majority of the Western world. I know this isn't like across the board. There's, you know, we're all going at our own flow. But from where I'm sitting, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and guess that you have a house that you can live in and you have some kind of electronic device. You have food mostly readily available to you and you are living in like the first world, you know, like the the general. I'm assuming if you're here, if you're not, maybe stop listening to this podcast. Go work on that first. (laughs) Anyway, so, you know, so we've gotten to that point where we have that security and now we're kind of getting on this like belonging because the thing about, you know, the industrial revolution, as many great things as it did, when you, you know, when you create things that change so huge, it tends to, it tends to have adverse, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. So pro, we all have a house and we all have food. Con, we all live like factory workers and we don't have a sense of community anymore because we have to move far away from our families and from our homes to have the job that gives us the food, that gives us the house, you know. So then we kind of broke apart that access to belonging And so I think that's why we're like now in this point where we're starting to realize that. And so now that we're starting to realize that childhood trauma is getting into the general, the mind of the general population, we're starting to realize this. But that doesn't mean we know what to do because this is a new concept. This is a very new concept of like, whoa, my parents gave me a house. They gave me food, but like emotional needs too. Oh. And so now we're starting to realize the emotional needs of children and we're starting to have a little bit more respect for the experience of childhood. And, you know, especially for millennials, we're so nostalgic for childhood because the world changed. The world as we once knew it is such an unattainable thing of the past that there is like literally no way we will ever have the ease that we once knew. And like our childhood, it's not like we go from being kids that aren't glued to the TV or computers or whatever, and then we grow up and we still mostly read books. So, you know, there's still only 70 channels. Like, no, we, we grew up and now there's like endless amounts of things to distract yourself with. So there is that bit of nostalgia for childhood. So I think that really made us 
aware like oh childhood matters and now there's all these studies coming out where once it was just kind of assumed the steps of childhood development now it's actually known to be true we understand how brains develop i mean seriously the fact that anyone if if you are a person whose parent treated you as an actual real adult and held you to adult standards before the age of 28, you were not raised properly because your brain wasn't even fully developed. If you had parents that pushed you to take out like a million dollars of debt at 18, you you still had 10 years of developing your long-term understanding and function, like long-term decision-making. You were not in a place to make that choice. So just because they didn't know doesn't mean it's okay. I mean, it's like, oh, sorry, officer, I didn't see that guy standing in the road. I didn't mean to run him over. Well, you still did. So yes, while there can be some, you know, like some forgiveness for the fact that you weren't aware, still, you know, that doesn't mean the damage wasn't done. And that's still important to understand. So all of that to say, if you are a human being living today and you feel unfulfilled, you feel unsatisfied, you feel afraid, you have social anxiety, you have bouts of depression, you have all of these things, you are probably someone, I mean, let's just leave it at, if you are a human being alive today, you probably have some childhood trauma because, I mean, first of all, our parents did not know, even parents today, even me, I'm still uncovering all of these different aspects of raising a person. And I'm one of the rare ones, you know, it's not like a, oh, I'm rare. It's like, no, like not a lot of parents that I talk to actually consider the development of a child's brain. They don't actually consider the feelings of their child. They don't actually consider that their their child is not theirs. Like, they got into this world by themselves. Like, yes, I may have pushed them out, but like, for all intents and purposes, they were alone. And yeah, they had like my heartbeat to and my my the sound of my voice in the womb. But like, and then they're gonna die alone. I'm not gonna be here for that. So it's like, you know, uh, I keep losing my train of thought. Just the point is, they're not mine. You know, I can't walk with them for eternity, because I am simply the gateway that got them here. That's all I am. I'm just the door that they used to get onto this earth, to have this experience. And now I am the guide to help them make the most of that experience, you know? So that's really, that's really all it is that my kids, their souls are not mine. They, I, they don't belong to me. Then for all I know, their souls are older than mine. For all I know, they birthed me last time. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't know about reincarnation, but you know, for we don't know, but we don't know. So led to the point Now, you know, I'm sure I've said to the point a billion times, but just kind of getting back on track, again, if you are a human being that is suffering from your childhood experience, um, you know, there's a few ways that you can really, I mean, I think there's just a few mindsets that haven't necessarily been spoken a lot. There's just a few mindsets that I don't really hear a lot of people talking about. I hear people talking about, oh, spirituality, you know, you just got to have some mantras and love yourself and it's okay. You know, you have the spiritual side and then you have 
the more scientific side, like the psychological, like, oh, well, this is how it affected your body physically, and this is how you respond this way because you learned these things, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of that, but then what about just, like, the the baseline truth of it? You know, what about, like, just the fundamentals of having trauma? You know, I mean, like, first of all, there's a lot of people that will say, like, oh, well, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal, or I'm fine, or, you know, they did their best, and they, that's all stuff that you can say after, but you can't start saying that it's fine, and that you turned out fine, and that it's okay before you've done the work to get through it, you know? like, you know, or even taking responsibility for their actions. You can't say, oh, well, I was this kind of kid and I was this way, like after, sure. Like now I can say, yes, I had a hand in the way my parents responded to me. I didn't know what I was doing. I was doing the best that I knew how to, to ask for what I needed. That's like a quote that I don't remember where I heard it from, but like just completely it's just profound. It's like when you're a child screaming and throwing a tantrum, that's the only way you know how to ask for what you need. Now, our parents, I can say as a parent, like that's really freaking hard to deal with is a screaming toddler or a screaming child or a teenager who's acting out. That's very difficult to deal with. But I have to understand from my higher perspective, this is the only way they know how to communicate those needs right now. And then how can I teach them? You know, that's that's the appropriate response as an adult to a child. How can I teach you to communicate your needs in a way that actually works? You know, like when my when my kids are like, get me water. And they just say it like that. First of all, I have to check myself and say, I talk to them like that all the time. Clean your room. Go get that thing. Go do that thing. You know, so first of all, I'm doing that to them. So why should I expect them to respect me? if I'm not sharing that same respect to them. But also, I can take that moment and instead of saying, um, no, go to your room until you decide to respect me more, instead of doing that and making them feel alienated and making them feel bad and making them feel like they've done something wrong when all they're doing is mimicking me, instead of that, I can say, okay, I see that you want some water. Is there a way that you can ask me that sounds a little bit more kind? You know, and then in those moments where I catch myself saying, go do this, go do that, then I can say, hold on, I'm not being very kind to you right now. How can I change my words to ask you in a more kind way to, you know, do that? So, you know, I mean, like the the bottom line is just because just because your parents were also doing the best they knew how to do doesn't mean that you were wrong. So, you know, taking responsibility for their actions, that's not healing. Like, taking responsibility, brushing it off, ignoring it, none of that is healing. And that's a lot of what I see. And it's it's just not healing. And frankly, I don't, I have just determined I cannot trust someone if they have never been mad at their parents. (laughs) Because it just tells me you ignore your problems. If you can't say one thing wrong with what your parents have done, or you make excuses for them, and you haven't gone through that healing, and you can't say, well, yeah, I was really mad at them. And then I overcame it. If you can't like, say I was really mad at them, I have been mad at them, I have seen what they've done wrong, it is very hard for me to trust you because the 
the fact of the matter is, if you have not gone through, not around, not over, not, you know, under, whatever, if you have not gone through the blame and resentment phase, I just don't know if you've actually healed. And maybe you're superhuman. Maybe you are Jesus Christ himself and you are full of love for everyone. Maybe that's the case, but likely not. <laughs> likely, probably not. And, you know, the, the, the reality is, like, you cannot forgive someone if you have not actually fully acknowledged what they've done wrong. Like, how can you forgive someone? How can you heal? How can you, like, I mean, how can you heal if you haven't actually gone through the pain yet? It's like your body, it's not like you anticipate a scratch and then your body heals it. No, you have to get that cut on your hand in order to heal. You have to feel the pain of, you know, if you're like cutting your finger while chopping veggies or something, you have to literally slice your hand open and bleed and be in pain in order to heal. So if you haven't, if you're just sitting there, like, you know, sure, you can ignore the pain. You can, like, wrap it up and pretend it's not there and never take care of it and just let it fester. But all that's going to do is it's going to, you know, I mean, it's just, it's going to get infected and it's not going to heal and it's going to get worse at that point. And then all of a sudden you lose your hand because you wouldn't just, like, you know, put on the Neosporin and wash it out and heal it, take care of it. So, you know, like you, you really, you have to go through it. You just have to, like, if you have not felt the pain of not being loved well enough because you weren't, because your parents are human beings. And I have another point that I'll get to, or I'll just say it now, like you will never be loved enough by anyone, period. You will be loved as much as they can love you, sure, but you will never be loved enough because that void that you feel, it has to come from you. I mean, you know, whether you believe, whatever it is that you believe in about the afterlife, whether you believe that we reincarnate or you believe that we go up to heaven or you believe that we just dissipate into nothingness and we're gone forever, whatever it is that you believe, you're doing that by yourself. And the relationship that is so undervalued in the world today is the one that we have with ourselves. And the fact is, our parents' job is not to love us. Our parents' job is to teach us to love ourselves. Sure, they can do that by example, but then we have to see them loving themselves and loving us through that. I mean, like, that's the whole point of this whole unconditional love that's one of the foundations of a cosmic home. Like, you cannot give unconditional love to anyone else unless you've first given it to yourself. You cannot fully give love to someone else until you've given it to yourself. You cannot receive love from someone else until you've given it to yourself. So the fact is, your parents did not love you enough because you needed to love you enough. And so that is going to be painful when you're a child and you don't know what love is and the only thing that you have is your parents just trying to love you as much as they can and they don't have a full grasp of understanding of teaching you to love yourself. They have, 
I mean, most of us were taught to be polite, put ourselves aside, do what we need to do to make everyone around us feel comfortable. That's what most of us learned. That's what the general, you know, uh, politeness of society. That's what that's what we got. That's, that's, all, that's all we got. We got love other people, love someone else, be kind to other people, put yourself second so everyone around you can feel comfortable. So then you can have that like super surface level feeling of belonging that kind of goes back around. We're just trying to belong. And right now the way we are belonging is by putting ourselves last, by fitting the mold, by not saying that weird thing that will make people feel uncomfortable, by not pointing out when someone does you harm, by, you know, allowing people to just like put you on the edge of your seat and not ever asking for clarity. Like, that's what we've learned to do to belong, but that's not belonging. That's not love. That's, I don't know. That's just scary <laughs> is what that is. That's just perpetual fear. I mean, so it's like at this point, it's, you just kind of have to accept because you can't actually love yourself if you can't accept that your parents' love was not enough because that's just, that's just what it is. Your parents' love was not enough. Their love will never be enough. I will never, ever, ever love my children enough, ever. Can I teach them to love themselves and fill them with enough love through that? Yes. Can I teach them to get the level of love that they need to feel fulfilled? Yes. But not through simply loving them, not through simply teaching them to get love from other people. That's not how. So if that is the house that you were raised in, where you felt that love was something you received, not something you had within you. You have pain. You need to heal. And you need to feel the pain. And you need to feel the anger and the resentment so you can get to the point of loving. I know, it sounds backwards. And, you know, I mean, like, and that's really the root of it all is just, did you get enough love? Did you not get enough love? Period. Were you loved as who you are? Was the love conditional? What, what was the love situation in your house? Were you shown how to love yourself? Were you simply just told to get love from other people? And, you know, that's really the first place to start. And then, you know, ways that I do that is I look at how do I love my husband? How do I love my kids? How do I give them love? How is my love conditioned by their actions? Do I ever treat them outside of love? And if all of those things are adding up to I'm not loving well enough, I'm not being unconditional with my love, that means you have some healing to do. That means you have some loving to do for yourself. And that's really what it is. And you you need to basically the pain, once you acknowledge it, becomes replaced by love. And it love takes the place of it. And that's how your skin puts itself back together because your skin loves you and it doesn't want you to hurt. So it heals itself, you know, whatever. So that's really the root of it all is just getting to that place of unconditional love for yourself so you can then give unconditional love to your kids. So you can let your kids see you unconditionally loving yourself, experience what unconditional love feels like, and then give themselves the remainder of the love that they ultimately will need to feel that fulfillment, to feel like they belong. Because the fact is, I could have no friends. And if I love myself unconditionally, I belong. That's just how it works. You belong when you have love. That's how it works. So once you kind of get the pain and the love 
and all that figured out. Once you get that part figured out, the next step is then to reflect, you know, like reflect on the fact you don't have to say like, oh, my parents didn't love me. I mean, frankly, unless your parent is a diagnosed psycho or sociopath or undiagnosed or narcissist or whatever, if they are not one of those three things, it is like literally nearly impossible for them to not have some love in their heart for you. I mean, that is nearly literally impossible. I mean, especially your mother. I don't know how boys work. I don't, I'm not a boy. So I don't know how their brains work when it comes to bonding with children. But I do know how a mother's like, you know, I mean, like literally you feel everything. You feel every move. I felt their hiccups. I mean, how do you feel someone's hiccups in your stomach and not have a little bit of love for that? You know, like how do you feel someone's foot just going up against your stomach, like moving across it and not say like, whoa, that's, uh, that's my baby. I love them. You know, like, how do you not, how do you not say that? You would have to literally turn off your feelings, which is sociopathic behavior, narcissistic behavior, and psychopaths, they don't have feelings to turn off. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But, you know, and even people, even psychopaths are capable of caring for, like, desiring to give the best to the things they care about or the people they care about. So off that topic, I mean, it's just, it's, it's impossible. It is impossible for your mother to have not loved you, period. It is impossible. So if that's the case, then we'd have to assume that everything they did was through some form of love for you. Now, does that mean they know how to love very well? No. No, nine times out of ten, mothers do not know how to love their children properly. Nine times out of ten, they don't. And even if they do, it's more likely that they're going to have so much pressure from everyone around them telling them what to do that they're not actually going to act in the love that they have. I know so many times, like, I love my children. And when we're in public and they're screaming at me, my natural inclination is to say, it's okay, you're upset, and you don't know what else to do. You have no idea what else to do. You are unhinged and you're instincts have taken over and this is what they say is how to be safe period like that's it so yes my love says that and my love says i need to just allow you to feel these feelings and let it go but the judging stares from all the people around me tell me punish them threaten them shut it down at the best you can put them in the car and say, wow, you were really embarrassing. That was terrible. How could you do that to a two-year-old? You know, like that's what, that's what the pressure of everyone looking at me says. So yeah. So even if your mom loves you, even if that's the case, there's still all these other factors that come into play that also, you know, she has her own ego and her own instincts and her own fear of rejection and fear of being pushed out of the tribe. Like, she has her own stuff that she has to deal with. And if she never learned how to love herself, which she probably did not, not properly anyway, how is she going to be able to fight that? Like, how is she going to be strong enough without love for herself to fight for the love she needs to have for you? 
I mean, that's just impossible. Again, these are not like excuses. This is just once you once you've felt the pain, this is a way to actually understand it and to like have a rational understanding of what's happening because to just say, oh, my mom doesn't like me. My mom doesn't love me. That's a cop out. That's that's just a cop out because that's almost easier to accept than my mom loves me. She's feeling pain. Like, why would you ever want to have compassion for someone that's hurting you? But that's that unconditional love. That's how you have to do it, you know? So, yes, your parents probably hurt you. And it could have been horrifically. I mean, like, you even have to think like a mom that abandons her kid. If your mom just straight up abandoned you, which, you know, that's in my lineage, there's tons of that. And, but I still have to say, even though I would love to just hate every mother in my lineage that passed on that trauma by abandoning their kid, like I would love to hate them, but I can't because I have to think they thought so little of themselves. They loved themselves so little that they believed wholeheartedly that their kids were better off without them, which is not ever true. I mean, the fact of the matter is your kid is always better with you unless you are like you literally do not love yourself at all and you're going to like, you know, put them in horrendous, dangerous situations, then out of love for your kid, maybe, maybe let someone else have them. But if you're going to, for the most part, create a safe environment for your children and you know that you're capable of that, yeah, they need you. They chose you to guide them. They chose your door. They chose that. And, you know, and you might not know why, but they chose that. And they chose that knowing that for at least a year, they're going to give you that unconditional love. Not even a year. Your kids have unconditional love for their mothers. Oh my gosh. The amount of things I let people, I see people let their mothers get away with. It's all because of unconditional love. The only people that know how to love are children to their mothers, period. <laughs> Like, that's it. I mean, you know, I can have all the conditional love for my father in the world. You you just listen. Listen to any man and his mom. Even if he hates his mom, he can't help but love her. I mean, that's just... Come on. So, if you want to know unconditional love, it's a child for their mom. And even, to some extent, their dad. But it's like... Your mom might have not known. And her version of love may have just been messed up. It may have just been backwards. I mean, you know, from extreme force of discipline. I mean, like extreme, like I'm talking like, you know, I mean, and you might, you might be a child of abuse and you might be saying, look at this idiot saying my mom loved me while she was slapping me across the face. You might be thinking that, but you know, I'm trying to be honest here. And I honestly believe that is probably the most messed up form of love, but it's still what they think love is. So at that point, you have to say, like, you almost start to feel sad for them, you know, and sad for the fact that that's what, that's what they think that love is. Love is literally beating you into submission to the world around you and completely abandoning yourself altogether. And for some people, they believe that that's love. And it's horrible, but they don't know any better, you know? So it's just, uh, so those are kind of the, the stages of 
processing your childhood trauma. That's, you know, that's really, I would say, I would say that is the process I took. Um, And a lot of it was through seeing what I thought love was for my kids and saying, oh, that's not really love. That's not really it. You know, like getting into those screaming matches where it's like if my kids never don't eat vegetables for a week and then I get scared and I'm like, oh, no, if they don't eat vegetables, they're going to get like, you know, child diabetes or something. And then they're going to be sick their whole life and they're not going to be able to enjoy it. And, you know, you start like getting all these these frantic thoughts or like, you know, you see your kid like not talking to you, like not responding to you. And then you start thinking, oh, my gosh, if I don't get them to talk to me, then They're going to learn that they don't have to talk to anyone through problems and then they're never going to get married or they will and then their spouse is going to divorce them and then, you know, they're never going to have a job. They're never going to have any friends and it's all going to be my fault because I didn't force them to talk to me. You know, like you start to get into these things where it's that submission of self for the better to, to accommodate love from other people and that's all that it is. And it's like, and I think that's probably the most common form of what people think love is, is sacrificial. You know, I will sacrifice myself for the sake of you. I will sacrifice myself for the sake of love. And it's just, you got to learn what real unconditional love is first. That's first. And you can only do that by the acknowledgement and anger and pain of recognizing that your parents did not give you real love. That's the only way through it. And once you have that love for yourself, can you begin to give the love to them by understanding why they believe love is what they've shown you? You know, and that's pretty much the one-two step of it all, to put it in a, you know, in a quick actionable, actionable list. Learn what love is by recognizing the false love you received as a child. And once you've learned how to love better, you don't have to do it perfectly. That's part of the unconditional part is loving the parts of you that are not good at it yet. Loving your ego for stepping in sometimes and taking over and doing things you don't really want to be doing. Loving yourself for lashing out. Loving yourself for all of those things. Like loving yourself through it. That's what unconditional love is. And then through that, once you allow those things then you'll be able to actually start to have a little bit more control over them because you won't be acting like I think sometimes we get to the point where we're acting in a state of like you know fear towards ourself like I don't believe I'm gonna let myself be mad right now and because I don't believe I can be mad I'm gonna get more mad it's kind of like that whole concept like you know how a lot of diet instagrammers are like let yourself have the cookie when you want the cookie And just keep doing it because if you don't, then when you want the cookie and you have the cookie, you're not going to stop eating cookies because you're not going to believe you're going to allow yourself to have a cookie later. It's like this act of rebellion against ourselves. Like, let yourself be mad. Like, allow that feeling to flow through you and learn how to regulate your actions. You know, like the feeling is fine. Emotional regulation comes from what your action is based on that feeling, you know? So if you allow yourself to be mad, then maybe you won't scream at your kid the next time. If you allow yourself to be mad, 
maybe you won't scream at your spouse. You know, if you allow yourself to be mad, then you won't have to create these actions that you later regret because you're like acting on a fleeting feeling. So, you know, I mean, hopefully you can piece together everything said here and find a way to love yourself. And really, the entire point of this, the reason I decided to start with childhood wounds um, is because you cannot, you cannot have a house full of unconditional love if you have not first begun the process of healing the blockages of that unconditional love. You have to do that first. You will not love your children unconditional, unconditionally if you do not love yourself unconditionally. And you cannot love yourself unconditionally until you've learned what real love is. And you cannot learn what real love is until you have understood the fault in the way your parents loved you. So, and healed it through the anger, through the blame, through the resentment, through the pain, through the sadness, through it all. So, um, and then from there... You can potentially be the very first brave and courageous person to end the generational pain and create more people that don't spread pain, but instead spread love. Instead spread love. That's difficult to say fast. So, you know, and that's really the whole point. Like, if there's literally any point to being alive today... It's not, it is not to get us to the point where we have more money, we have more houses, we have more food, we have more whatever. That's not the point anymore. People of the past focused enough on that and now we have it. Now we have it. So now that we have it, the whole purpose of being a person alive today is to learn how to expand, is to learn how to progress mentally in your head, not materially. We've already done that. We've already gotten enough. We have more than enough. Now we need to have more than enough safety emotionally. We need to have more than enough unconditional love to everyone around us. That's the next step. So you're here for a reason, and that reason is to love better. So heal your wounds, love your family better, love your friends better, love the random person on the street better. Love that person that held you up at the light better. You know, instead of getting mad at them, say, you know, let me send you some love because that was probably really embarrassing and you probably feel bad that you didn't see the light change. Love the person that cut you off better. Say, man, it's probably really embarrassing that you didn't see me. Or, or you're probably so scared. I don't know. Traffic is like (laughs) the best place to practice unconditional love because it's the hardest place to even because you can't see the people you know it's like being able to like bash someone on the internet only you don't have the paper trail like of the mean comment it feels so good to the ego to be able to say I'm better than you I would have seen that light but instead instead you can say I've been you before I know how it feels and I love you through it anyway so that's all enjoyed this episode, please consider following on the platform where you like to listen to podcasts. If you use Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave a review. And as always, you can reach me 
at this cosmic home on Instagram. I love answering questions and hearing all about your experiences in my messages. So there you go. Have a good one.